Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Dallas, 127, LA Clippers, 121. The Mavs take a 2-0 series lead. I mean, I got to hit the clips with a big fat golf clap. Bravo, bravo. Nice job to quote your boss. Pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. Pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. Because that was pretty much the most Clippers bleep ever. They lose game one at home. Whatever. That'll happen. Not a great look when you're losing that game and that gives you four straight playoff losses and you lose the home court in the process. But yes, that'll happen. Anything can and does in the playoffs, and especially to that choking crew. Not good, but not a reason to panic. And the Clippers didn't. Panic, I mean. In fact, I'm not even sure they noticed. I'm not even sure they knew what time it was. Because most teams who were playing at home, who had lost game one, would have sprinted across the cage at the start of round two, a la Conor McGregor and Jose Aldo, and cracked the other dude in the jaw. Like, they would have started that next round by making a serious statement, by getting the other guy's attention. And by getting their attention, I mean putting the other guy to sleep. Remind everybody, yes, they got us in game one. Yes, their MVP candidate got off, but we've got two of our own. Two of the best wings in the game. You're going to gloss us, Choke City? You're going to clown us for tanking the last two games of the regular season in order to get this matchup and then doing it in the playoffs too? Yeah, really? Yeah, how about we break your face? Instead, that would be the mindset. That would be what most teams, and especially teams with the amount of talent that the Clippers have, teams with the expectations that the Clippers have, most teams would do that. You know, like, I don't know, the very thing the L.A. Lakers did last night when they bounced back and they cracked Phoenix and they ripped the home court advantage. You know, the thing that legitimate championship contenders all do. After all, the Clippers are supposed to be that, right? Yeah, that's what championship contenders do, but not what the Clippers do. Not these Clippers. Really, not any Clippers, but especially the Kawhi Leonard, Paul George Clippers. So they're trailing after the first quarter, and there's your statement. Statement being, nothing has changed. Same old Clippers. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. I mean, seriously, you got to hand it to these dudes. No, I mean, seriously, you have to hand it to these dudes. No, I mean, seriously, put some disrespect on these guys. I mean, what a team. What a crew. What a tradition. They have done some pretty clippery things in the past. You know, like blowing multiple 3-1 leads in the playoffs. But now they are halfway to the ultimate Clipper move ever. Man, this one has been so predictable too. It even included a moment where Paul George actually looked like Paul George and not Pandemic P. You know, last night when he put Chris Tapps in the ground. The only 25 in his mid-season. Oh, break it off. Oh, no. And the foul. Oh, no. That's not fair either. Hold up. Paul George. Even Porzingis is right. laughing. 
I mean, look at this move. Oh, oh, and listen, that's, that's the quick in and out burger with cheese right there, Joe. <laughs> oh, my. Hey, listen, I'm going to call my main man Steve Smith because I got to play for top five plays underneath the rim. Paul George better be number one. In and out burger, animal style, and a bag of chips, and some fries, and a chocolate shake, whatever, all that. Like, you see a moment like that, and you think, all right, all right, maybe the ultimate man down crew. The Clippers is finally going to man the hell up. Maybe they got their wake-up call. Maybe this is who they really are. Maybe they really are who they're supposed to be. Yeah, that or maybe they're exactly who we know they are. And you watch the rest of the game, and then we're treated to what we're always treated to when we watch these guys. Maybe another highlight or two, a lot of garbage, and absolutely no defense on Luka. Luka abusing them, and they get smacked again in their own house. Only the Clippers could get the best playoff half of Kawhi Leonard's career, 30, and still be up just two, headed back to the locker room. And then the Clippers went Clippers in the second half because, of course they did. It's the postseason. It's like the locker room huddle ended with... Tank on three. One, two, three, tank. One, two, three, Cancun. And they did just that. They get blasted by double digits in the third quarter. They're down huge at home in game two of a playoff series where they had already lost game one. And now would be a pretty good time once again to remind everybody that this group did tank the final two games of the regular season so they could avoid the Lakers. And just so we're clear, They didn't tank to avoid the Lakers in the first round. They tanked to avoid them in the second round because apparently they thought they had earned a free pass through the first round. I mean, that's their mindset, right? That's the way they're playing, right? They're playing like a team that thinks they can just show up and win. But here's the thing. They've never won Jack. They've never won anything. They're the Clippers. I could see the Lakers taking that approach. I mean, they did get rings last year. But the Clippers don't have anything from last year other than a blown 3-1 series lead and a catastrophic tank job. And again, now they're halfway to yet another one. You're going to tell me these dudes who have no answer at all for Luka. No answer at all for Luka. That these same dudes are suddenly going to rise up, handle Luka... And the Mavs four times in five games. Come on, man. Get out of here with that bull crap. Come on. Come on. Come on. Man, they'll be lucky if they even get this back to L.A. Hell, the numbers would suggest this series is already over. Only 31 teams in the history of the NBA have won the first two games on the road in a best of seven. 27 of those 31 went on to win the series. So take that for data. Take that for data. Take that for data. And then these chronic underachievers may already be DOA, dead on arrival. The hell is their problem anyway? Besides chronically choking. I mean, why? It's not like you can say, well, yeah, you know, they're young. They're inexperienced. They've got a ton of experience. They have vets. They have guys who've been in these situations before. They've got a good coach in Ty Lue, and yet they're still down 0-2. Like Luka, he torches them for 30. A 30-point triple-double in the first game. So what's the adjustment? What's the plan? They stick Kawhi on him in game two. 
And instead of Luka going for 31, he goes for 39 and seven boards and seven assists. He was, to paraphrase my man, Dorian Finney-Smith, shooting the piss out of it last night. The Clippers do not have anybody who can handle this guy right now. And I mean literally. Tom Haberstroh said that Lucas scored on eight different defenders last night. My man was practically pulling old Clippers onto the court and scoring on them. Yo, Sherman Douglas, have some. Candyman, this is for you. Eric, the Polish rifle, Piakowski, you can't stop me. And you sure as hell can't stop this. I told I Joe, if you give this kid a chance, you're going to like him. The more and more you see him, the more you're going to like him. Luca gets the trouble hey. on the move. Wow. Amazing. Wow. Nine-point lead. But this shot right here, this is absolutely bananas, Joe. Look at Luca. Luca loves it. We all love it, Luca. Yo, even my man Lloyd Vaught doesn't want any of that. Yo, Bo Kimball, take a seat, man. Elton Brand. What's up, Elton? I got nothing but positive vibes for you, big dude. Listen, they've got no answer for this guy. They just don't. He's going to get his. And you can live with him getting his, even if his is 39. But what you cannot live with is Luka doing that and Tim Hardaway Jr. going for 28. Chris Tapps going for 20. So the only question now is, if the Clippers do finish off this tank job, who or what are they going to blame it on this time? Remind me again, is this one on Doc Rivers, Montrez, the bubble, Donald Sterling, his little wabbit, Benoit Benjamin, Keith Kloss, what, something else, or is it finally on Kawhi in PG? Turn up, love you guys, awesome. Turn up, love you guys, awesome. Hey Clipper Nation, if you think I'm being too harsh, man, we have not even scratched the surface. Tip of the iceberg, yo, come see me in a week. Remember when I asked Dwayne Finney-Smith about the Clippers? About them tanking to play them, remember? Do you guys feel disrespected? Do you feel like they tanked those two games in order to play you? Yeah, I mean, if they tanked them two games to play us, then we tanked the last game to play them too. You know how that goes. <laughs> I'm excuse my name, but, you know. Uh, <laughs> my man. Yeah, it, it is what it is, you know. We want this uh, matchup just as much as they want it, you know. We, we just have to win the playoffs. Damn straight. Damn straight because you know how that ish goes. Dorian's right. I retract that question. It does look like the Mavs tanked their last game so that they could play the Clippers. I should have asked, yo, D, did you tank that last game in order to play these guys? Hell yes, we did. Rome, look up at the scoreboard. Us two, them none, because we're beating the piss out of them. And now the series returns to our house. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. Melvin Gordon III is my guest. Melvin, what's going on? How are you? 
I'm good, man. How are you? Dude, I'm good. It's been a minute or two since you and I have spoke. How you living, man? How's life? What are things like? I'm good, man. I'm chilling, training, laying back. Life's good. Good, man. Good. <laughs> All right, so take me back. Since you and I haven't spoken in a moment or two, how about that first year in Denver? What was that year, that year like for you? You're on a new team. You're in a new city. It's during a pandemic. What was that season like? It was just crazy, man, just because, obviously, the pandemic, um, things were just so different. I mean, as far as the schedule, like, everything. Literally, we got to a point where we would just show up for practice and leave. Couldn't shower. Like, we had to shower at home. Like, it was just, it was different. <laughs> it was different. No fans. I mean, haven't played like that since forever um never played without fans so i mean just the whole whole nine was just i mean it was just a different world man um kind of make you appreciate how things were before well that's the truth isn't it melvin gordon joining us he gives you a new perspective you appreciate everything the way things were the way things can be you know one thing about that season melvin the season did not necessarily start the way you would have liked and then you start to put up the kind of numbers that you're accustomed to putting up how much did it mean to you then to be able to prove that you are still a force um, it meant a lot. Um, just, just myself, I just know what type of player I am. So, um, I like to get stronger during the season. Um, you know, as the season go on, um, I kind of pride myself on, um, you know, just you know, finishing strong. So, um, I, I, I knew, you know, it would, it would, it would happen, but it was just a lot of just mental stuff I was going through. Um, that I kind of just had to put aside and just go out there and just play free. Talking to Melvin Gordon, you know, when you mentioned that you pride yourself on getting stronger as the year goes, how about the fact that you're a three-down back, that you don't want to come off the field? How much pride is there in being an effective three-down back? What does that role mean to you? Um, it's big, man. Um, you know, you, you just got to pride yourself on wanting to do it all. I feel like that's just like the transition for backs uh, these days you know, you you could play longer, you can last longer. Um, if you're a three down back, you know. And obviously I love football, love to keep playing. Um, so you have to be able to do it all. Um, you know, so I pride myself on it. Um, you know, just just being able to block, being able to catch, you know, obviously being able to run. So I pride myself on kinda of doing it all, but you have to, I feel like these days, because Otherwise, you know, your career won't last as long, I feel. You know, NFL, Melvin, not for long. You know this. That's how that league goes. In fact, what about that? Like, I laid out your numbers, and I've talked about the fact that you're a two-time Pro Bowl selection. So do you feel like you get the respect that you deserve around the league? And I don't mean from, like, talking heads or social media. I mean around the league, the people who matter. I feel like from the players, uh, from the coaches, um, you know, after I get done with games, you know, you got some players that come up, you got some coaches that come up that kind of respect your game. Um, you know, I feel like to the fans, you know, and to the world probably not so much. Uh, you know, to the media, not so much. Um, but I definitely feel like, you know, I'm definitely a player that you have to game plan against. So, um, like I said, you know, after games, I definitely get, you know, people that walk up to me and be like, oh, you know, you're a good player, man, you're a great player, this and that. You know, so I get my respect, you know, from the people that actually know the game. 
Melvin Gordon joining us. You know, like, as somebody who's been around the game a long time, like, you can remember what it was like when you first came in. And I bring this up because, for instance, the team selects running back Javante Williams in the draft. Now, a lot of guys in your situation might be kind of pissed off and put off by that and shut out the rookie like, this is a ruthless league. This is a business. Now you're coming in and take something off my table. But you said that you wanted to mentor him the way Danny Woodhead did you. Why, why is that something that you want to do and is important to you? Just because, like, you know, I was just in a position where I just was in, you know, with the Chargers, man, um, even in Wisconsin, man, I was always, you know, surrounded by a good group of guys. Um, you know, like I said, when I went to Wisconsin, um, you know, Monty, James, you know, they kind of took me under the wing. And then when I got there, you know, Danny kind of took me under the wing. Gates took me under the wing. You know, guys always show me the ropes. No one was never, like, you know, too good. You know, they, they wanted to see Prosper, man. And so I just was like, man, you know, it's, it's only right that I do the same. You know, guys gave me that luxury. It's only right that I do the same, regardless if we're competing. Now, we're going to compete. You know, that's just the, that's just the nature of the business. You know, we're going to compete. We're going to get after it. Um, and, you know, the best man going to play. But, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, I have to help. Like, it's just, it's, you know what I'm saying? I have to help in a way because at the end of the day, it is about the team. And, you know, like I said, God forbid, if something happens to me, you know, he has to be, you know, he has to know that, you know, I have to have the confidence. The team has to have the confidence that he can come in there and know what to do. Um, so, you know, it, it, you know, it's just like, man, it's just, I have to do it, man. I just, I don't know. The guys that I've grew up around, the guys that kind of took me under the wing, did it for me. So regardless if it's in the same position, man, it's only right that I do it for him. It's class. That's all class. That's a pro's pro right there. Melvin, you mentioned Wisconsin, and I've talked to you about this in the past. I want to update you on that, and I think that some of my listeners still need educating because even last hour somebody came in and took a hard, hard run at Wisconsin. So our son Jake is now a junior at the college, at the university, and having the time of his life. We did build that house in Eagle River, so I'm going to be back there this summer. Man, Wisconsin is such an amazing place. It is such an amazing state. Once again, man, share what it means to you to be a part of Badger Nation. And for those who want to go into in without even knowing anything about Wisconsin, what do they need to know that they don't know? Man, just that is just a great college town, man. Like, you know, I think when people when people hear oh Wisconsin, they think of you know just farmlands, fields, and honestly, man, it's like it's like its own little city. Like every time I go back there, I get amazed on how it looks on what's new. They're always building something, renovating, doing something. Man, it's just a wonderful place to be, and they love you. Like, you know, when I first got there, um, I remember talking to Coach Bielema, and he was like, man, the fans are going to love you. And I was like, man, they don't even know me. (laughs) And, man, I was wrong. The first day I got there, I remember walking, and I didn't play it down yet. I didn't practice yet. I remember just walking. He's like, hey, Melvin Gordon, what's up, man? And I was like, dude, like, I didn't even play it down yet. And I was like, he was right. Like, you know, they pay attention. Like, they, they love you there. Like, they literally love you there, man. It's a great college town. And it was some of the best days of my life. It goes fast, you know, and just 
I made some of my best relationships with my friends there. Uh, it's just, man, the whole nine, man, it was, just, it was just great. So, you know, like I said, when people think of Wisconsin, don't think just farm. Just, just take an opportunity and take a chance to just go there because I think you'll be blown away. The whole nine. I agree. I'm going to back you up on that. I'm going to concur so much so that I bought real estate in the state. I absolutely love it. It is an amazing place. Melvin Gordon is joining me. So really quickly before you go, the team did bring in Teddy Bridgewater, and there have been rumors about maybe them making a run at Aaron Rodgers. What do you make of how all of this is playing out? Uh, man, it's just, it's just crazy. Uh, it's just crazy, man. I, it's crazy because, you know, I, 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 I trained with Teddy in Florida. Um, so, you know, I've known Teddy. He's been throwing with Teddy, catching with Teddy for a while. And uh, it was funny because I was actually talking to Teddy about, you know what I'm saying, about Denver. I was like, bro, it's a great place, you know, and this and that. And it was just funny to see him end up there. And then obviously Aaron Rodgers from Wisconsin, you know, obviously that's going to be bittersweet because, you know, my Wisconsin people would be, <laughs> they're going to be hurt if Aaron Rodgers leaves, you know. You know, and I hate to see them sad, so. Um, but it's just, you know, with that going on, man, it's just crazy. Um, I don't want to speak too much on Aaron Rodgers because obviously, you know, um, you know, we got the, the competition between Drew Locke and and uh, and Teddy. Um, but you know, what I'm saying it'd be a, it'd be a dis disservice for a lot of fans to not see Aaron Rodgers play this year because um, regardless of what team he's on, because he's a phenomenal talent. And I'm sure that a lot of people turn on TV because of him. So, you know, we want to, regardless of where he played, we would love to see him play somewhere. I get that. I respect that response. Melvin Gordon's joining us. Hey, listen, what is going on with your youth football camp? Are you still doing that this summer? What are the plans and how's that progressing? Yeah, man. Um, you know, I just wanted to do something for Denver uh, community. Get out there and go do something, man. Um, you know, I've been talking to, you know, people within the team of trying to, you know, do something for the community. And, you know, me and my team decided, you know, we wanted to do a camp. So, um, you know, I think it'd be dope. You know, I've never, you know, really did a camp outside of Wisconsin before. Um, I've always did a camp in Wisconsin. Um, So I feel like it's going to be dope, man. It's my first time, you know, kind of just getting out, branching out. Um, You know, I'm in a new community. You know, I kind of, it's somewhere I want to be. Um, you know, you never know with this business, um, you know, where you're going to be or where you're going to end up. But, you know, I kind of feel like, you know, at this point in my career, um, you know, I want to make Denver home. So by the time I start treating it like home. So I just want to do something for the community, man. Um, you know, give the kids something out there to smile about. I like that a lot. And listen, one last thought, speaking to you, football, your former teammate, Philip Rivers, is coaching high school football in Alabama. How do you think he'd be as a high school coach, and would you want to play for him? Dude, you know what's crazy? I <laughs> I just seen the video on that yesterday. I was just <laughs> I was laughing then because there was so many conversations about that, you know, on plane rides home from games, and it just was dope. It was dope to see, man. It made me smile really because I know that's something he was really interested in, you know, and to see his dream come true and. Dude, he's going to be a great coach, man. He's just phenomenal. He's, ta- he's, he's a smart football player. You know, you got some guys who just, you know, just kind of do it for the money, do it for whatever. He's really just a 
smart football player. I mean, obviously you have to be, I feel like, at quarterback. But um, he's just very passionate, man. You know, he knows how to lead guys. He knows how to he knows how to connect with everyone, you know, regardless of what color, what race, you know, whatever situation it might be. You know, he knows. I feel like he's been around long enough to know how to connect. So, you know, I feel like, man, it's a great, it's a great position for him. I looked at that and I was like, you know what? One day I couldn't, you know, I could see him being a, a college coach or or an NFL coach if he wanted to be because he's just that, he's just that phenomenal at what he do and that passionate man. He he knows how to. He knows how to. He can motivate a baby. <laughs> he can motivate a baby to walk if he has to, man. It's just, he just got that. He got that talent, man. He just he's blessed, man. and it just made me smile to see that. Um, when I watched that video, it's crazy that you brought that up because I watched that video yesterday, and all I could do was smile because I was like, you know what? <laughs> he's living out his true dream. That's what he wanted, and 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 that's what he's getting. That's what he's doing, man. So you love to see it, my dude. Good vibes. Like, I'm not the smiliest guy who ever lived, but I'm smiling right now. I mean, so good to get caught up, Melvin. That is such a fun conversation. You were such a good dude, man. And this is why we need to do this and why I'm always so happy to have you on the program, man. Great to get caught up. Appreciate the good vibes and the good energy, my man. Have a great day. We'll do it again soon. My man, thanks for having me as always, man. Clones, what do we want when we're craving protein or we need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. No, you know what we want? We want beef. We want beef, pure and simple. So where is the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. No, Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously. You can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go. Make sure you look for it in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. That's why it's in a Clearview bag. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? It is a short smack-off season. We've got a lot to get done. Not a single second to waste. Remember, head to my Twitter feed, vote on the smack-off poll right near the top, hit me up if you're hosting a smack-off watch party. Or, if you know somebody who is, there were seven of these watch parties nationwide in 2019. Various bars, restaurants, radio stations across the country. COVID, of course, wrecked that new tradition last year. But, it's all sorts of possible again next month. Tweet at me and Adam Hawk both if you're hosting or attending a watch party. I'm looking at you, Lorelai Inn in Green Bay. 750 the game in Portland, Fort Green Bar in Oakland. Now, part of the run-up to Smack Off 27 does include in-depth looks at the field. I call these player profiles. Yesterday, Benny in Wisco hit leadoff. The entire jungle was reminded of something that I myself have never forgotten. This dude is incredibly underrated, underappreciated, talented as hell, and impossible to sleep on. Today... I profile a legend and a former champ. Today, I profile Vic in NoCal, a.k.a. Broadway Victor. 
Now, if you've listened to the program at all in the past 13 years, then you know this guy. His name is synonymous with the jungle. Vic has not missed a smack off since his very first back in 08. He punched his ticket into the Champions Club in 2010. He's a mainstay. One of the best to ever do it. But the stats do not lie. And it's been a steep and sharp decline for Vic for the past half decade plus when it comes to smack off results. Keep in mind, from 2009 to 2014, he had six top fives, two podium visits, and a championship. But since 2016, no top fives and has not hit the board, the top 10, in the last two main events. But it doesn't mean he's not still dangerous. I think he is. I believe he can still reach back and sling triple-digit heat when he has to. It just depends on whether he wants to. Like at last year's smack-off, he didn't seem to want to. That call was misguided, almost to the point where I thought it was intentional. But then again, that's Vic. He's already proven himself many times over. The guy is dangerous, he is fearless, and he will start fires just to watch things burn even if he torches himself in the process. Speaking of burning things, remember back in 2011, as the defending champ, when Vic torched his one-time rival, Jay Moore. Did Jay Moore seriously just spend five minutes talking about me? Are you kidding me, Jay? Was that supposed to be some kind of kill shot? Dude, that was a pathetic effort, fat man. Look, it's not my fault your show got canceled, Jay. Your show got canceled because it was awful. I mean, I watched it once, Rome. It was so bad, it actually made me want to go read books, straight up. Jay, don't hate me because my smack is beautiful. Don't hate me just because you're such an unprofessional and unprepared buffoon that you show up 15 minutes late to host a national radio show. It's not my fault, Jay. It's not my fault that you've been reduced to hawking DiGiorno pizzas and kissing Justin Bieber's ass in the hopes of being able to pay your rent, all right? Talk about a fall from grace, man. I actually remember the days when you were an edgy comedian with balls. Dude, you're an absolute mess, man. Between your panic attacks, your failed marriages, your canceled TV shows, your meltdowns on Twitter, you're a mess in more ways than I can count, Jay, and I can pretty much count to infinity. Face the facts, Jay. You will never be better than me in life. You will never be better than me in this jungle, okay? The only jungle you will ever be better than me in will have to exist in some alternate reality. I gotta go, man, because Jay's charred carcass is setting off my smoke alarm. Let me go urinate on him. I mean, this dude, that call was so personal and so vicious, it was actually hard to listen to. Now, that was a decade ago. Vic, though, is still capable of muscling up and barreling one on command. Like the time in 2020 when he called in as, quote, mutt in L.A. to parody Matt in L.A. Ladies, mujeres, if you're mesmerized by the menagerie of man candy and the mud in L.A. montage... And holla at your boy. You know where to find me. Down on my knees, neck deep in some toilet I'm having to unclog because some Delta Bravo frat boy jammed a big old turd in the pipes. Romy, since the days when you would call the man Ray Knight, Ray Lopez, because his wife Nancy was better at her job than he was at his, your boy Mud in L.A. has had your back, pimp. But that's not why I called. Victoria in NoCal. Er, Victor. In no cow, in no cow, and I call him that because nothing but crap comes out of his pie hole. And trust me, if there's one thing I know, it's crap. I clean it up all day long. Plus, I'm a Raiders fan. You got that? 
you supercalifragilistic, supercilious scoundrel. Aloha means a hola, as in, I got a whole lot of toilets to clean up. Like, you can hate this guy all you want. You can say this guy's washed. You can say this guy's stumbling around center field, a la Willie Mays with the Mets. You can say that his best days are way behind him, that he's a shot fighter. You can. I'm not going to say that. I would not disrespect a champ like that, especially when I truly believe that the guy can still land kill shots whenever he wants to and he's locked in. Rome, it's a tradition unlike any other. This is the calm before the storm. I'm not saying Caleb isn't skilled with the ladies, but if he were a Star Wars character, his name would be Hand Solo. The Cabellan Asian is like a big-ass white whale, man. Holy crap, Shawnee, what the hell has CBS Sports been paying you in? Corn dogs and cookie dough? Little Alvy's an animal. Dude, that guy gets more ass than Kelly Clarkson's Lazy Boy. Brad, there's no need for you to constantly be kissing Rome's ass the way you do, my man. Romy, God bless you for taking my call, Romy. I'm, I'm sorry I haven't called you, buddy. You know I love you. Chael Sonnen, you have no balls, okay? Hell, who knows what you got down there after all that junk you've put in your body. I mean, you probably got fallopian tubes at this point. I excel in the boardroom. I excel in the weight room. I excel in the bedroom. These hacks are like a bunch of maggots. They eat up all the bad takes, the lame jokes. They gobble it all up, man. Well done, maggots. Well done. Brad, you're going to get decapitated on Friday, my friend, and I will be playing the role of the guillotine. Rick, I'm tired of your stupid calls. I'm tired of your stupid voice. I'm tired of your stupid face. Dude, I invented the RSVP call. I invented clones interacting on social media. I'm the single most influential force in the jungle in the past 20 years. Everywhere you look in the jungle, you see my influence. Brad spends more time talking about cranks than a 1920s mechanic. Cabellan Asian, I take all those smack-off titles of yours and slap a big fat asterisk on them, right? bro because those were all before my era shawnee the asterisk in houston i mean if i had a dollar for every good rick and buffalo call i'd have about 23 cents man yo romy what's cracking kid i'm doing outstanding mark you're a nerd all right you make steve urkel look like suge knight clones i got the touch i got the power and that's what makes me a winner i'm a star man i'm a big bright shining star my name is vic my smack is vicious I'm telling you, when you've done this as long as Vic has, and when you're totally unafraid to shoot every single shot, you're going to have enemies now. Vic has more enemies than anybody in the jungle, but that's exactly the way he likes it. Vic and NyQuil, dude has the personality of a dial tone on Percocet. Now you're like the Dallas Cowboys. There's no doubt you have the talent, but you always turn out to be just average. You won a title years ago, but nobody is buying the tradition crap anymore. Vic's like the old family dog who you finally got to put down. You feel terrible about it, but when all he's doing is running into walls and peeing on the carpet... There's no other choice. Is there anything worse than Vic and Milkel calling every day this week? And Rome, I know Vic isn't calling somebody else horny. The only difference between Vic and Jim McElwain is access to a shark. Vic, you're the Ian Poulter of the smack-off every year, buddy. You're always in the lead after Thursday, but once the weekend hits, your score takes a sailor dive into a pile of rocks. Vic, you are a worthless word gypsy. Vic, without Jim Rome, there is no Vic in no Cal, okay? You exist because Rome allows you to exist. Where are you going to go if Rome kicks you off the program, Vic? You think that crappy Dan Patrick show is going to take your calls? So, which Vic is going to show up this year? The lone wolf with a blowtorch and a can of gasoline looking to rip that second title. 
or the one who self-destructs just for the hell of it. I'm hoping it's the former, but you never know with this guy. But I know his body will work. I know he's still dangerous. I know he can still dig deep and hit triple digits. What's going to happen? I've got no idea with this guy. I really don't. But we're all going to find out together June 25th. The Vic in NoCal player profile. It's Small Business Month, and Dell Technologies and Windows are celebrating your unstoppable drive. Save up to 45% on powerful PCs with Windows 10 Pro to work from anywhere and top monitors and docks for the ultimate business setup, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Speak to a Dell Technologies advisor who can help you find the right business tech, server, storage, and cloud solutions at 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL for Small Business Month savings. Ben Golliver is joining me. Ben, good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing great, Jim. Coming in hot off that Clippers-Mavericks game last night at Staples Center. I'm sure you saw what Luka Doncic did to the poor Clippers. Absolutely. This is exactly where I want to start. In fact, Ben, why don't we go back a few days? You were at Staples for game one of that series. What did you make of what you saw from Dallas in that game? And more importantly, what did you make of what you saw from the Clippers? Well, here's the thing with Luka. To me, he's one of the top three showmen in the NBA right now. It's LeBron, Steph, and Luka. They're in a category by themselves because Luka walks into Staples Center as the underdog team, quote-unquote, against a title contender, quote-unquote, in the Clippers. And this guy's acting like a small-town mayor. He's kissing babies. He's winking at the celebrities. He's draining three-pointers in your face. He's getting to the basket constantly. And the Clippers had no answer for him in game one. So you thought, okay, they're going to spend the next 48 hours finding a way to slow Luka down. They come back out. It's the exact same story. I mean, 39 points, seven rebounds, seven assists. And he did it individually, Jim. It's like he picked on every single one of those Clippers players, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Patrick Beverly, one after another, and scored right in their face down the stretch to send that game, uh, to, you know, to send Dallas to a 2-0 lead. And, you know, the Clippers are trying to say all the right things. Oh, we're not concerned. Let me tell you, they're concerned. Their fan base was real concerned and real quiet down the stretch of both of those games. I think what we're really seeing here is a big-time coming-out party for Luka Doncic. It was muffled a little bit in the bubble, but he was phenomenal in last year's playoffs. And he stepped it up in a big-time way this year. Ben Galver joining us. I can hear how fired up you are about him, and understandably so. The guy really is amazing. Like, the guy's amazing. Listen, I understand that he's going to get his. We get that. But if basketball is a team game, and given the defensive reputations, Ben, of Kawhi and Paul George, how do you explain them? And I know he's going to get his, but how do you explain them giving up an average of 120 per night at home in these two games? What's the explanation for that? Well, the trickiest part is you really can't double him because he is such a good passer. He's on almost LeBron's level when it comes to passing and finding the open man. And I think some of it is Dallas's secondary guys just being extraordinarily hot. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. can't miss a shot. Jalen Brunson can't miss a shot. Dorian Finney-Smith in game one had some really clutch shots. So some of those are probably going to come back to earth a little bit. But the problem for the Clippers is they just don't have five solid defenders that you can trust across the board um, you know, they've got the two big names in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, but, you know, they're struggling with their big guys to go out to cover the perimeter when Porzingis is out there or when Luka is doing pick and roll. And then when they go to their smaller lineups, it's just a layup parade. You know, Brunson going to the basket, Tim Hardaway Jr. going to the basket. It's a little bit like whack-a-ball. They just can't keep up with everything that Dallas is trying to do. Definitely give Dallas' role guys credit for, you know, overperforming, stepping up big time. 
But to me, it really does all go back to Luka. If you can't find some way to slow him down, if he's hitting his jumpers, if he's hitting that crazy one-legged three-pointer drifting to the side, you don't have a lot of hope against this team because they've got some real firepower around him too. All right, so Ben, bottom line, what you said before that. So the Clippers are saying what you would expect. Certainly things we've heard before. Paul George, quote, there is no level of concern. Ty Lue, quote, I'm not concerned. They're down 2-0, heading back to Dallas. Should they not be concerned? How concerned? No, they look concerned during the game. I mean, we saw Rajon Rondo and, and Serge Ibaka at one point exchange some words coming off. You know, Ibaka actually didn't play down the stretch of the game, and he did the classic thing of coming back out on the court post-game to get some shots up, probably trying to burn off some of the stress of that situation. Who knows? I mean, they tried to downplay some of the uh, – you know, the, the huddle stuff, but they didn't look right late. They, you know, they looked overwhelmed. And you actually saw Luca get up in Patrick Beverly's face a little bit, didn't you? Just kind of challenge him and tell him he's too small. Again, no competitive response from the Clippers. I think that's got to be really, really troubling for them just all the way around. As a franchise, the Clippers have never come back from an 0-2 hole in a playoff series ever to win um, in, their, in their history. So this is going to have to be the first time doing it. And they're going down to Dallas where the crowds are actually bigger. They're larger in Texas than they've been in California. So they've got all sorts of uh, concerns. And, you know, the craziest part about it, usually if Kawhi plays well, the Clippers win. That's sort of been the, the, the formula here over these last couple of years. He had 41 last night, and really he wasn't even close to being the best player on the court. That was Luka. So that's just another concern because they've got to find other ways to generate offense to support the Stars if they just can't get stops. And that was the real tell. All these guys saying, oh, we have no concerns, we have no concerns. If you go to Kawhi's interview, he just kept repeating over and over, we have to get stops, we have to get stops, we have to get stops. Because they realize right now that Dallas is just steamrolling them with their offense. I mean, come on, right, Ben? We have no concerns. Stop lying. <laughs> ben Golver joining us. Hey, Ben, really quickly, before I talk about the Hawks and the Knicks, I want to ask you about the Lakers. They did beat the Suns last night. How do you see that series going now? That was a gritty game to performance both sides. I mean, you know, this is a really high-level series from a defensive standpoint. The Lakers' role guys are going to need to start shooting the basketball well. Um, some of those guys had really nice performances in the bubble, but this was their first taste of road playoff basketball. And a lot of those guys really didn't show up in games one and two, so they've got to get going. You know, to me, it starts with LeBron, though. It really does seem like he's easing into this series a little bit. He's not putting his head down and going to the basket hard. It's a lot of three-pointers. You know, he went to the turnaround jumper late as kind of the dagger in that game. And so it kind of becomes a question is he pacing himself for the postseason? Is he trying to take it easy on the ankle? I think that's kind of the, the biggest question mark. You flip it around, injury issues for Phoenix loom huge right now because Chris Paul could barely do anything. They got a phenomenal performance from campaign in a backup role, you know, stepping into those minutes. But you really can't count on that every single night from a, a player who's not that proven um, you know, in that spot. So they've got to hope that they can get Chris Paul back into this mix. I think it was big for the Lakers to get that split. It keeps the pressure off when they're going back home. And, you know, this is going to be the first home game for the Lakers since 2013 on Thursday. Staples Center is going to be crazy. I can promise you that. And then, Ben, what about Madison Square Garden? I cannot wait to see Trey Young in Atlanta go into the Garden again tonight. Given the way he showed up in Game 1 and shut everybody up and then talked about it afterwards, what kind of an atmosphere are you expecting to see there? Well, I hope that crowd doesn't back down. You know, I hope they take their cues from the mayor who was getting on the Zoom calls to taking shots at Trey Young. I hope they kind of ramp it up and bring it back at Trey. I mean, look, it was a great play late. I mean, just left the defender, you know, practically spun around uh, to get his floater off. It was a, a really, really nice execution on that last play. 
Uh, but these are two very evenly matched teams. And I think when you're New York and you haven't been there before, you know, Julius Randle, that was his first taste of postseason action. I'm sure he's been spending the last couple of days saying, look, I could be a lot better than six for 24 or whatever he shot. Um, and so I'm sure there's going to be a lot of adjustments there defensively as well against Trey. To me, this is going to be a long series. I pick the Hawks, but we got a great, great game in game one. And, uh, you know, Trey's not going to back down. And he did talk a lot after that game, by the way. I wonder if it was maybe just a little bit too much. We'll see. You know, telling the fans that they can't guard him and all that stuff. Uh, those fans are not going to forget that. I think they're not backing down. I think he's not backing down. I think this thing is incredible. I can't wait to see it. Ben Golver joining us. Ben, what about the Grizzlies? I mean, they're amazing, right? They win the 9-10 play-in game. Then they beat Golden State. Then they go to Utah, and they beat the Jazz in game one. How impressive have they been to you on this run? No, I mean, they love being the underdog. They just lean into that completely. It starts with John Moran. I mean, did you ever think John Moran at 21 or 22 was going to win a head-to-head do-or-die game against Steph Curry playing like an MVP. I mean, that sounds like a crazy thing to say, you know, a couple weeks ago, but that's exactly what happened last week. Um, You're going to have to beat them. They're not going to beat themselves. They spread the basketball around. They play super hard. They've got Valanciunas in the middle, applying a lot of pressure. To me, game two really comes down to Donovan Mitchell and his impact. How healthy is he after this whole back-and-forth about the ankle? because they just need to supercharge their offense. They're at their best when he's out there, no big surprise, and he's their leading scorer. And I expect them to have a big-time response to game two. Don't write off these Jazz. You know, I think a lot of people are just waiting on the Jazz to kind of flounder and fail so they can say, oh, I told you so. They were just a regular season team. This Utah team is good, and they should take care of business. All right, so I was going to ask you about Utah. You answered that for me. Ben Golver is joining us. Ben, what we did miss out on was a Russell Westbrook v. Kevin Durant and James Harden first-round series. Is there any doubt in your mind that this Nets-Celtics series is already over? I mean, I would be so disappointed in Brooklyn if they don't sweep this thing. I mean, the talent gap right now between these two teams is just massive. They've been coasting at times those first couple of games and just putting up huge uh, you know, scoring outputs. You know, For the Celtics, to me, they felt like a Cancun team. I was actually impressed they made it through the play-in round. I thought there was a possibility. Maybe they just want to duck out and go home early. Uh, but this series, yeah, to me, it looks basically over. You know, Kyrie Irving, you know, stirring the pot a little bit with some comments before Game 3. I'm sure that will, uh, you know, get the, the crowd riled up there in Boston. But to me, they just don't have the horses to keep up. You know, I mean, Jalen Brown's injury uh, probably didn't get enough discussion nationally in terms of how it changed that playoff picture in the Eastern Conference. It just took Boston out completely as soon as he went down. And so, Ben, to that point, I mean, certainly they're not the same team without Jalen Brown, and it has been a pandemic season, but it's such a disappointing place they're in right now. Is there a question then about Danny Ainge's future in Boston right now? Well, look, I think you're going to want to take some time to evaluate from this season, but if you look back at the last couple of years of moves, I mean, a lot have blown up in his face. I mean, the Kemba Walker trade has really not worked out well for them at all, and he's been to me, a hard piece for them to move, you know, if they want to get off of him just because of the size of his contract and the health that he's in right now. You look at the Tristan Thompson uh, move at the, uh, you know, during the offseason, that really didn't give them much of anything. You look at even the Evan Fournier trade deadline move. I mean, he's been completely invisible in this series, making no impact whatsoever. And, you know, outside of the, the two big-time draft picks that he hit with uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I think they're looking at their roster and saying, well, hey, wait a minute, where is, uh, where's the help coming from? What's this long-term core going to look like? And they've got a nice young player in Robert Williams. So, you know, I could see them just taking a step back and saying, look, we were tired after the bubble. Let's try to figure this thing out. I think the tricky part for Ainge is his hands are tied by the salaries, right? They've paid Tatum out. 
They've paid Brown. They've paid Walker. They don't really have a lot of flexibility in terms of going out there to add other pieces. And so I think this could be a situation where, unfortunately for them, they just got totally outflanked by the Brooklyn Nets. They put together this super team and completely took that conference away from Boston right when they thought they were going to be kind of growing into it. And now I think they're kind of back to square one in terms of trying to build a title contender. He is a national NBA writer for the Washington Post. He is the author of Bubble Ball, which is out right now. In fact, Ben, what has the reaction been like to the book now that you are a famous author? What's that been like? Well, I should thank you and thank the clones, man. It, it debuted at number one for basketball, which was like kind of my goal. Beautiful. So awesome. And uh, no, I, I'm, I've been hearing from people all over the world. It's been kind of crazy. I think like five continents now, Jim, which is just nuts. So uh, it's so cool how the written word can just spread uh, all, all around the world, just like uh, the audio uh, can as well. That is awesome, Ben. Good for you, man. Congrats. That, that's got to feel like a million. I know how hard you worked that thing and how you got that done in a short period of time. That is great, man. That's got to feel awesome. No, it did. It, it did. And look, I mean, it's been a crazy year for all of us. And I got to say, what feels even better than that is getting back into these buildings where you've got crowds that love the game as much as we do, you know, that love sports and who are enjoying it together. Seeing the vaccinated sections where you've got people just screaming and yelling, hooting and hollering. It's awesome, man. It feels like the world has finally kind of started to get back to normal a little bit. And I just encourage everybody to get vaccinated so that we can keep that going. And next year, maybe full stadiums and it'll feel completely normal going forward. I concur. That'd be a great thing. National NBA writer for the Washington Post, host of Greatest of All Talk, an NBA show. He is the author of Bubble Ball. Get this book. It's out right now. Ben, appreciate you. Great job. Thanks so much. Oh, my pleasure, Jim. Take care, man. Ever think things like this, like I'm not going very far, or I'm in a rush, or it's too uncomfortable, or sometimes I just forget. Listen, do not kid yourself. There is no such thing as a good excuse for not buckling up. If you've used any of these excuses or any others, you're putting yourself at risk of injury or death. In 2019, nearly 10,000 people were unbuckled when they were killed in crashes. That's 43% of people killed in motor vehicle crashes that were not wearing seatbelts. So no matter what kind of a car you drive, wearing your seatbelt is the best defense in a crash. Even when you sit in the back seat, you still have to buckle up. The same goes for when you ride in taxis or you use ride-sharing services too. Law enforcement is on the lookout and writing tickets, so why would you take that risk? Seatbelts save lives. Do the smart thing. Buckle up every single trip, day or night. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. We do it once a week. Every week. In the middle of the show. In the middle of the week. What's your beef? Let's get it. Let's start with the social. Mr. Jim. My beef is my neighbor hanging a lame, tinkling wind chime outside my bedroom window these people never even go outside yet now this piece of trash just hangs there 24 hours a day making this horrible racket slowly destroying my sanity on even the most slightly breezy day these stupid ugly boomer novelties should be illegal martin in colorado hey martin why don't you go bang on their door and tell them not me jimmy My beef is that Victor by Broadway is getting a player profile. His call in 2020 got run, but it was so much worse than that. It was an abomination that should have got his standing invite revoked. He did not place in 2019, and he never calls. What exactly does he contribute to the jungle? War Silk Manzir. Asking his wife for permission to send the show an email today trying to get it me. Goals 
and aspirations? Like managing a trailer park after getting 33 votes for city council? Signed CJ in the Bay, golden ticket holder, class of 2021. He does have one. Romy Rome. My beef is with the queen. LeBron. All the flopping is a really bad look. Even the refs are not buying it anymore. Quit acting like a bad Euro soccer player. It's embarrassing. War of the Suns getting it done. Pete in Phoenix. Hey, Jimmy, my beef is with these smug breakfast restaurants that think they're too good to take reservations. Every other restaurant in town will take a dinner reservation, but I've got to wait outside for 45 minutes just to get that once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to eat your scrambled eggs and your frozen hash browns. I've got to hit a drive through just to hold me over until you clear out these degenerates that showed up at 7 a.m. to start pounding Bloody Marys. Evan in Oregon. All right, we're getting warmer. Hey, Rome, my beef is with Trailer Park, brah. Bra. This nutcase thinks he's important enough to have to run his smack off appearance by the mayor. The mayor barely knows you exist. And she only gave you that job because nobody else wants to be in charge of checking the septic tanks of 8,000 trailer park units. You are not important. You are a loser. Chad in Orlando. There is your clubhouse leader right there. But still, that should, that should not be enough to win the day. It's got to be something better. Hey, Rome, I got beef with AD. Kicking another dude in the groin is my thing. Signed, Draymond Green. Jeremiah. What up, P and the B? My beef is with that stupid red ball in the upper right-hand corner of my app store. How is it that dozens upon dozens of apps need to be updated daily for bug fixes? I no sooner clean things up, and there it is the very next day taunting me yet again. Brad in G-Rap. What up, camera three? That thing's making some noise today. Hey, Rome. My beef is with John in New York. That stunt you pulled earlier this week with Parody Larry was embarrassing. You are a worse representation of New York than James Dolan. Nick in New York. That's strong. Romy, what's my beef? People that sign their work emails with their initials. We get it, dude. You're too important and too busy to type out your full government. Now go back to online shopping during work hours and your two-hour lunch break. Ashley in Nebraska. War Lady lady Clones. I wish I could find a place for her in the smack off, except she's never called. Jaime, what's my beef? How about professional golfers talking to their golf balls? Stop with the be right, go, go, sit down nonsense. Uh, hello, a golf ball is an inanimate object, dummies. 
It's not going to listen to you. And for the love of all good things on this planet, stop with the white pants. Nobody wants to see that. Stephen S.A., that's good. He is good, though. He's strong. Hey, tan smack. My beef is with the office guy who keeps knocking on the bathroom door, continually asking, is somebody in there? Of course, somebody's in there, butthole. Who do you think locked the door? Butthole. 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 Brandon in the ABQ. Hey, Jim, our beef is with metal spikes. Regards, EJO and Tommy Lee Jones. Mike in Buffalo. Yeah, I don't get a Mike. Are they golfers? Are they baseball players? Oh, you're suggesting that somebody stepped on their faces with spikes. Oh, I get it. Yeah, it's not funny. Hey, Rome, I got beef with karaoke regulars. Hey, Knob, this isn't the voice of American Idol. I came here to listen to some drunk ass fumble his way through a 90s rap song. I did not come here to listen to you try to belt out your best rendition of Sweet Caroline that you sing every damn week. Yeah, no. Hey, Rome, my beef is with my wife. She has dreams that I've cheated on her and is mad at me in the morning for cheating in her dream. Chill, babe. I'm just trying to eat my bagel and get out the door. (laughs) Taylor in Manhattan Beach. Chris, quote, my beef is with how expensive Apple lightning cables are. Lunch at five, guys. Can't believe how overpriced these things are. Well done. Well done. Those things are really expensive. Stone page 14. Rome, my beef is with Starbucks drive through chit-chat guy holding up the line to yak it up with the barista in the window. Move your ass. We all need to get to work. That is so true. All right, let's go to the phones quickly. What is your beef? Johnny Scabs in the D. What's up, Scabs? Hey, Jimmy, my beef is with the drive-up ATM machines that have Braille on all the buttons. You know, I've never seen a blind person with a white cane attached to the front of their car pull up to an ATM. Late. Drive up ATMs with Braille. Why would a blind person need that in a drive-thru? I don't know, Scabs. Great question. I got a better question, Scabs. The hell do you even care? Because you can't smack diabetes diabetics exclusively you have to move on to blind people now okay it's a bad brand a really bad brand scabs 1-800-636-8686 let's go to hawaii tress what's up tress what's your beef hey hey jim my beef's with the guy intensely swimming laps in the middle of a crowded resort pool you're making everyone feel uncomfortable when a couple of eight-year-olds get in your imaginary lane you're acting like they cost you the four by one hundred medley in Tokyo. Take oh. off your swim cap. Take off your nose plugs. Set that Casio auto stopwatch mode. Grab a drink and relax. We're on vacation, man. Jeez. Hell yes, bro. So well done. That was a great beef. That was extremely well executed. Sorry I interrupted you. I couldn't wait to give you credit. That was really good. 
1-800-636-8686. That was a great call in beef. Let's go to Cleveland. Rusty. Rusty, what's your beef? Ah, Jim Rome. You know, buddy, my beef is with these callers trying to mix production value into their call, failing miserably doing so. I gotta go, Jim. Nudie Magazine Day. Quote, Rusty in Cleveland. Oh, Rusty. Who else wants in? I've got time. Let's go to Lincoln. Nick in Lincoln. Nick, what is your beef? What's up, Rome? You know, now that the uh, school year is over with, my beef is with parents who call into school administration crying to get their kid to pass. I mean, what's your life about? Newsflash, your kid is just a younger version of you. If your kid doesn't go to class, doesn't do any work, doesn't prepare, allow them to fail so they can learn from it. Do the world a favor and break the cycle so your lazy-ass kid doesn't turn into your crybaby ass. The rest of the world would appreciate it. Appreciate you, Rome. I'm out. Appreciate you, Nick. I, I mean, I don't want to get carried away, but this is the best call-in version of the beef segment we have ever had. Best calls yet. Let's keep it going. We go to Florida. Bergie. Bergie, what's your beef? Jim, I have a beef with the party host guy who last minute, while I'm on the way, he asked me to buy ice. I mean, hey, idiot, I'm a guest at the party. Get your own damn ice. You're hosting the party. I'm out, Jim. <laughs> hey, Bergie in Florida. Hey, idiot, you invited me to the party. I'm the guest. You're the host. Get your own damn ice. Man, I don't know where it came from. I really do not. This is the best call-in segment as part of a beef segment that we have ever had. Like, in other words, you never know what you're going to get with the calls. I always know that the email and the social is going to be great. It always is. But you never know what you're going to get with the calls. And today I'm getting great calls. Maybe it's because it's smack-off season. I got a feeling that might be it. Or maybe people are having a bad week. Maybe people are just pissed off. I don't really know. I just like it. Let's go to Wisconsin. Jared. What's up, Jared? What's hey, your beef? Hey, Jim. Uh, I've got beef with my wife's friend who claimed to be a wine lover. So we have her over for dinner the other day. I went, I've got a nice red in the decanter. She says, oh, I don't like red. So we go through like four other kinds of wine. Doesn't like any of those. Turns out she only likes Moscato. You don't like wine. You like sugar water. Next time, I'll make sure I have some Kool-Aid available. Out. Jared. In Wisconsin, it's all right. 1-800-636-8686. Quickly, let's go to Santa Barbara. Tom, what's your beef? Hey, Romy, uh, fellow gaucho, Murdad says hi. Hey, I got a beef with professional lottery ticket player guy going to the convenience store with his Scantron and his lanyard with his sleeve and doing 20 <laughs> Scantrons. Hey, dude, you're not at the track. You're not doing a parlay. You're not in Vegas. You're not putting down 40 bets. The flag is up, dude. It's convenience store. It would be convenient for me to get my beer and get home with five minutes left to go in the Laker game without you doing your banking at the convenience store, you douche. <laughs> Got that, you douche? Zavin Collins is my guest. Zavin, great to have you on. How are you? 
How's it going? Glad to have. Thanks for having me on the show. It's great to have you on the show. Appreciate you. Listen, it's been a few weeks since you were drafted. As you look back on that night, given everything that went into it, what are the memories that come to your mind? Uh, yeah, just kind of you know being life changing for my family. Also, you know, getting that uh, um, challenge and uh, ability, and uh, you know, being blessed to be able to play at this level. So um, it's been it's been super fortunate and fun so far. All right, David. So when we talk about your family, we got to talk about the the way you came up. For instance, you did a lot to create this opportunity. You were born in Tulsa. You played your high school ball in Hominy, Oklahoma. It's not the biggest town ever. In fact, what was your life like growing up there? Uh, growing up in Hominy is just a small town. You know, it was everyone knew everyone. Uh, it was just one of those type of deals out in the middle of nowhere, no stop signs, no nothing. It was uh, really small. It was fun, though. It was nice. All right, so your mom, Haley, she's a big part of the story. She raised you on her own. She also raised your nephew as well. So what did you learn from your mom growing up? Yeah, so my mom kind of just, uh, you know, always told us to, the the world is ours as long as we, you know, go out and get it and do what we want with our lives. And, uh, you know, it's up to us. No one's going to give us anything, really. Um, and always, you know, work every day to get what we what we want. So that's kind of what she instilled in me. And uh, and that kind of just drove me forever. Zayvon Collins joining us. So the story goes, you played a lot of sports growing up. You dominated in gymnastics, track and field, baseball, basketball, football. And then as a senior, you had 50 50 TDs. You were an all-state defensive back. So what kind of attention were you getting from college programs after that great senior year? Um, I was getting zero attention, actually. I only had one offer. Um, I traveled, me and my mom had traveled all over the U.S. and with some other family members as well, Texas, Kansas, um, you know, all the way to um, Memphis. It was, we, we went all, all over the place trying to get, um, you know, people just to notice me. Um, not so much for the camp because we needed help just to get, you know, my name out there. Nothing was working. I only had one offer, and it was from Tulsa, so it was an easy decision whenever choosing my college. Yeah, but, dude, I mean, this is so amazing. Like, the summer before that senior year, you and your mom went to a dozen camps at FBS schools. I mean, you guys were doing absolutely everything you could to get your name out there. Your mom even took money out of her 401K in order to do that. So, I mean, like, you are grinding. You were working so hard. What was it like to go to all those camps, put in all that time, make all those sacrifices, and still not get interest? Uh, it just seems like, you know, is it really going to be worth it? Um, you know, at the point, you know, you can't, you can't dig the hole any deeper, um, you know, cause then you won't be able to come out of it. So at one point, you know, it's kind of sitting there like, man, is this going to be worth it? You know, is someone going to offer? Um, uh, we stuck with it though and, uh, ended up paying off, you know, got college for free and, you know, it opened a lot of doors for me. Zayvon Collins joining us. So what it, what happened exactly was you had an offer from Central Oklahoma, a Division II school. It would have been a partial athletic scholarship because you were the valedictorian of your class. You could have combined that with an academic one, but then you went to the Tulsa camp. What do you remember about that camp and that experience? Yeah, so that camp was, uh, you know, it was the middle of the day. We were actually like 20 minutes late because we had messed up the times. They let us on, and then we um, – we uh, performed the camp, or I did, and then they offered me right after the um, camp, and we didn't know if it was full or half. We didn't know how it worked. So, Philip Montgomery and the defensive coaches wanted to see you at linebacker. You had never even played there before. At the end of the camp, you waved for your mom to come over, and then Montgomery offered you a scholarship. What was that moment like? Uh, it was kind of, we will, it was so crazy because we had no idea how any of that worked. We were kind of just like, thank you so much. Like, we don't know what to say. And then, 
we got in the car and we were like, wow, that was pretty crazy. And uh, we were asking each other if it was full ride. Like she would ask me and then I'd ask her. I was like, I don't, we don't know. So we had to call and ask. And, you know, of course, all, all Division One officers are um, full ride. So it was pretty crazy. Um, we were in such disbelief, but it was a blessing. It, it's an amazing thing. So, like, what did that mean? Like, when you and your mom finally kind of got your heads wrapped around that, that this is a full ride, all that work did pay off. It wasn't for naught. We didn't dig a hole that was too deep to get out of. When you finally realized what it meant, what did that feel like? Uh, just, you know, proves to yourself, like, hard work pays off and persistency, uh, being persistent pays off. So what's it mean then to go from Hominy to All-American at Tulsa, then to a first-round pick in the NFL? I mean, like you just said, persistence pays off, but how do you sum up a journey like that? Just you have your mind on one thing and don't take it off of it. Focus, 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 grind. Um, know everything, all the ins and outs. Be a very mature player. Um, don't make any mistakes on the field and, and, you know, work really hard on the field and just after at the end of the day, you know, whenever that court, fourth quarter bell rings, you know, you either left everything out there or you didn't. So you just got to go out there every day and just leave it. And that's what I tried to do, especially that last year. And uh, I think it really worked out for me. I like it. All right, so finally, what about the opportunity? You're going to join a team that just missed the playoffs last season and then was really aggressive in the offseason with moves like the addition of J.J. Watt. How hyped are you about the potential in Arizona? Oh, I'm so excited. The, uh, you know, being able to play with J.J. Chandler, Buddha, um, Isaiah, all these guys. Um, there's so many guys, even on offense too, offensive linemen, um, uh, D-Hop. They all can give you, um, you know, advice on what they've played against or how they've played. So it's been a blessing so far, even though I've only uh, practiced with a couple, couple of them. He was the 16th pick in this year's draft out of Tulsa. He was an AAC Defensive Player of the Year, an All-American, All-Conference selection. Really an all-time great story. Zavin Collins, my guest. Zavin, I appreciate you, man. Great to have you on. Thanks so much. Good luck. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate you for having me on. Take care. Let's go to Southfield. Jeff in Southfield. What's going on, Jeff? Thank you for the vine, Jim. Hey, Benny, you said my calls are just a string of random words. Benny, when the 1970s animated short Conjunction Junction, what's your function, finally makes its way to backwards Wisconsin, then you'll finally know what them little words between my bigger words are and how they come together to form sentences with meaning. Until then, go back to doing what all rednecks do with their spare time, which is to destroy the peace and quiet of nature by running a combustion engine. Jim, nothing fills the empty void where a redneck's brain should be like the sound of combustion. Lawnmowers, leaf blowers, hedge clippers, all day, every day. Jim, even though Benny's lawn is barely bigger than his welcome mat, Benny has a rider mower. In fact, Benny has the ultra behemoth rider mower with turbo-powered Hemi engine and the deluxe enclosed air-conditioned cabin. Jim, it wouldn't surprise me if Benny's house was just a John Deere rider mower, cherry-rigged with a Sunsetter retractable awning. That's your average starter home in backwater Wisconsin, Jim. Speaking of Wisconsin, Jim, I support your whole reinvention thing, but bro, if you want to turn your life into an amalgam of a P90X video and a Phil Jackson soul patch, you need to get the hell out of Wisconsin. Jim, there's not a damn thing to eat in Wisconsin that doesn't reduce your life expectancy. Seriously, Jim, in most counties of Wisconsin, it's illegal to own vegetables. 
Jim, your average Wisconsinite has never seen lettuce. And Jim, as far as the mental and spiritual side of it, Jim, cramming a lake full of motorboats and watching fat people water ski is not the path to enlightenment. Jim, there's no Zen and a shirtless redneck. Jim, there's no Tai Chi and sheep beer and American cheese. Jim, I don't know where you find the secret path that leads to the sacred mountain that houses the Shaolin Temple, but I know this. It ain't in Wisconsin. Jim, the only time you're going to have any peace and quiet this summer is when your head's underwater. My advice to you, pack a snorkel. Or my horse being cool enough to let me run some smack at him. Love you, bro. But no one I know of, Wisconsin. Go to hell, Wisconsin. Go to hell and die. Go to hell, Wisconsin. Go to hell and die. Jeff in Southfield. Pack a snorkel. Oh, my God, this dude. My man, I will see you on the 25th. Good night.